This broadcast is sponsored by Summit Bible College. Hi, this is Caitlin Hashem, the host of The Summit Show. How are you guys doing? It's great to be in the studio today. I have somebody who I just think is like the coolest cat around, <laughs> Dr. Cat. He is a doctor and he's a pastor and a dear friend of mine and a dear friend of the Bible College, Summit Bible College. That is who sponsors this show. Dr. Randy Bunch, how are you? I'm wonderful. How are you doing? I'm very good. It's great to be here. I'm not going to lie. I've had like four cups of coffee today. (laughs) (laughs) And it's been one of those days where it's like I'm tired Mm. and I just keep drinking coffee. And then I'm realizing when I'm driving over here, I'm like, hey, dude, just let your body be tired. Sometimes we just need to let our bodies be tired because we're fabricating energy within it. And it's like freaking out. <laughs> Why do you keep filling me with the, with stimulation? Yeah, exactly. So I'm kind of on that on that front right now. But nevertheless, <laughs> the joy and the excitement that's in my voice is real because I love the Lord and I love Jesus and I love talking about Jesus. Amen. And I feel like right when I walked in the studio that I had this like energy come up inside me uh, with excitement and expectation for what he's going to do in our conversation today. Amen. I'm talking to a pastor who's been in ministry. He's not just a pastor. He is, but he's also a teacher, an author. He's a professor at the Bible College, as I mentioned. He's been a missionary. He's done tons of stuff within the ministry realm over the how many years? About 40. About 40 years. And it's kind of crazy because he's only like 45 years old. Oh, yeah, that's exactly right. He started when he was five (laughs) years old. Um, But he is a well-seasoned minister and somebody who's been through a lot himself, Hmm. been in a journey um, like all of us are. And, um, you know, even recently, you you went through a car accident, actually. Yeah, that was crazy. I actually kind of want to... I kind of want to talk about that for some reason. It was on my heart right before yeah. I walked in the studio. Um, that was what, like a year and a half ago or two years? No, it was, that, it was this year. It was in uh, March of this year. Uh, or last or year, I'm last sorry. Year, yeah. Last year, I forget now. So it hasn't even been a year yet. Yeah, it hasn't even been a year yet. Yeah, it'll be a year in March. March 8th, 2022 is wow. uh, forever etched in my mind. And on one of the streets in Taft, physically, where the motor in my vehicle dropped out and put two deep gashes into the road, which I'm, in a way, thankful that it did because it was the evidence that showed I stayed in my lane and that I was in my lane when I was struck by a driver that came across his lane into mine and hit me, each of us going roughly around 50 miles an hour. Honestly, um, I would say I was probably going slower than that. It's a very dark street in Taft. Um, those that are familiar with Taft, because we do have a lot of Bakersfield listeners, it was Lincoln or 10th Street, depending on which part of town you're in. And it's the long street out of town toward Bakersfield. Most uh, Taft and certainly some Bakersfield residents will be aware of what street that is. It's not well lit. And uh, there's a double yellow line going down. And fortunately, I was going through a lot of emotional <clears throat> issues afterward just simply because the other driver did lose his life. Um, I was relatively seriously hurt. I guess you could say I had a couple of compression fractures in my back, a broken forearm, an extremely bad bruise across the front of my lower abdomen where um, the seat belt obviously grew taut. Um, you know, people talk about, in, in a way, things are in slow motion, and, and it's true. It's like, in one sense, it was like, it happened so fast, it was over before I realized I was in an accident. But in the same time, it was almost like, hey, this is happening to me right now. And, you know, everything came to a stop. Of course, all the airbags deployed. I'm sitting there moving back and forth. I realize because I'm in a lot of pain, I can't get comfortable. Um, I 
push open my door. First, it's very, very dark, and I see a couple of silhouetted figures rushing over to the other vehicle, and I found out later that he was probably killed on impact. And um, finally, somebody comes to my door. I, I opened it, and the light came on in my cab, so that part still worked, but my car was completely totaled. And um, somebody who I found out later was a high school, um, not classmate exactly, but I think a grade above me, was talking to me. She didn't know who I was. And um, But anyway, I just kept saying, how's the other driver? How's the other driver? Didn't know if it was an old lady. Didn't know if it was a teenager. Didn't know any of those things. I had never broken a bone, been in an ambulance, been in a hospital for myself other than when I was born, um, and never been in a serious auto accident. I checked all those boxes in one night. And so it was a horrific experience, but at the same time, it's one of those moments where you just know the grace of God is with you. And my apprehension was, did I do something wrong? Did I somehow contribute to this happening? And like I said, fortunately, as far as my own peace of mind is concerned, um, the evidence was clear. And my stepson, interestingly, snapped a shot just because he did, you know, because it was a pretty horrific scene. Um, And my car was completely off the road on my side and the other car was still even after impact um which would be like hitting a brick wall at 100 miles an hour if you could imagine but his car was still over the line and um so even after impact it was still over on my side a little bit so i the the photograph helped me have some peace of mind before the report finally came out that did indeed say that he turned illegally into my lane and so forth. I think that that's just a very convoluted situation because you have a death that you're dealing with on the other end of that. And then the moments after the accident, you're questioning, like you said, the first thing that you're thinking about is, is this other person alive? Yeah. So you have that. Yeah. And then you have the trauma that you're going through, which is totally terrifying to go through something personally like that. Do you remember having thoughts in the moment of being impacted like that you were going to die or that you were dying or what was that what is that no, experience uh, the, like the interesting thing was when it first happened i knew that i was more than just like casually hurt in other words i knew i just didn't sprain my back or you know i knew there was something more going on but it never occurred to me that it was life threatening really when my wife came on the scene her big concern was do you have internal injuries because oh. the seat belt that's really what hurt the most. And I had a bruise, Caitlin, for probably two weeks that was easily three to four inches tall all the way across my body. Um, it was that the most pain, too? Yeah, that was the most painful thing. And then I had two compression fractures. When they released me from the hospital the next day, the nurses were shocked because they thought I was going to probably need surgery on those on my back. And so I walked, I, I stood up out of the vehicle under my own power, which was amazing, and laid down on the stretcher because they were trying to figure out how they're going to get me onto the stretcher and I said well you want me to stand and you know and they were like you can't can you because if you saw the car you'd know why and I've got photos of it it was you I know. would like to see that maybe during the break you could show yeah, me sure and, but- and then of course the other car where they could see what that was like and of course they're pulling a body out of the other vehicle so they're <sighs> amazed that I'm not more hurt and I I have to say this is not a commercial for Volkswagen but I'm very thankful for the design of that vehicle because the way it was designed I was told later and I guess this is true of all late model cars but I didn't know this because I've heard stories, and you probably have too, of engines literally coming into the lap of the driver, you know. But now the way the cars are designed, and particularly Volkswagen, you know, give it, give it up to German engineering, that upon impact, the engine drops out of the vehicle, like onto the road, so that it doesn't come through the cab and kill you. And so that's what happened, and that's why they know those gashes were in the road, was where my engine landed, and then, um, of course, it looked like a 
you know, exploded Tonka toy all over the road, you know, and still for a long time I'd drive by there and there was still the orange markers where they marked our tires wow. and all that kind of thing. But I was not <clears throat> thinking that I was going to die or anything like that. Was I it did, like a spiritual awakening for you in some it, ways? You know, the interesting thing was it, um, and of course, let me, let me say that you do have aspects of trauma you deal with long after, like it, I purposed to drive again immediately as soon as I could because it was kind of like the old saying, get back in the saddle. Wow. And every time a car would come opposite me, I would tense up. I could feel my body bracing for impact because it's like after you, you it's amazing how much trust we take in and assume what everybody else is going to do. And of course, somebody then gets killed by a drunk driver and that trust is broken. Well, this guy, there was no, as far as we know, there was no alcohol, drugs or anything involved. But I'm just saying that that happens all the time. And all of a sudden that trust is broken. We realize, hey, there's other variables besides my own safe driving, right? So um, after that, everyone was suspect. Oh, they're coming at me. Are they going to pull, you know, wow. just subconsciously. A little bit of PTSD. Yeah. And so it still sometimes is that way. There'll be times, especially late at night, when I see a car coming the other way and I'll just feel myself start to subconsciously tense up. But I, I felt like it was necessary for me to face that fear and not allow that to dominate me. And Maybe someone needs to hear that today, too. About uh, very likely. You know, there's a great saying, run to the roar. And I, I do think there's something to be said for not allowing fear to chase us. We need to turn and face it and face it down. Fear is of the devil. You know, there's a, you know, there's a, an instinctual reaction of fear God put into us to, for preservation. But there's a spirit of fear that is a completely different animal. And that is something we have to learn to resist. I absolutely love that you said that because after I had my first daughter, Cadence, who's now four and a half, I went through such severe, you know, postpartum depression. And I talk about that a lot because it's a real thing and it's very serious for some women. But what I will say is the trauma of that experience lasted for a couple years for me and I really got through the thickness of the depression probably at about nine to 12 months I was kind of um how do I say this I went out from it like I didn't have the depression anymore but I was the fear of it was lingering and the fear of having another child and going through it again was lingering and what I will say is that when Kinsley was born my one and a half year old I had she when I was pregnant with her, I felt so much attack on me, like mm-hmm. especially with the first trimester because I had two miscarriages in 2020 between my two daughters. I was so afraid to lose her and I could feel the type of fear that I felt was the type of fear that you feel like you're laying down in bed and you feel like somebody's choking you. Yeah. You literally feel yep. like it's so real how yeah. f- how afraid you are that you feel like there's a, almost like a, a spiritual force there, yeah, there lingering is. over you like heavy actually not yeah. just like not lingering over you like actually on you and you could feel the heaviness of that fear choking you out and it manifests itself through rapid heart rate and right. um sometimes lack of mobility like yeah. i would lay there paralyzed right. sometimes by yeah. fear and I remember this lady, I still have the vo- voicemail saved. I'm so glad that I have it saved. I haven't listened to it in a while. But what happened was, you know, I started to pray over my house because there were situations that took place in certain rooms of my house when I was really depressed with my daughter, my first daughter. There were situations that I I had like panic attacks in one of the spare rooms. So anytime I would go into this room, my spare room, I would always feel this like really eerie mm. feeling wow. 
of just darkness. Yeah. And so I associated that experience with the room, right? right? And the right. room is dark and the room's cold because it literally is the most, um, it's the coldest room in the house because sure. of like the air vent in right. there. Yep. And so I started to, I love that phrase run to the roar because I remember thinking to myself, this isn't going to change unless I take my power back. Yeah. Like this isn't going to change unless I give God dominion over every part of this house. Right. Because sometimes the symbolism of what we're going through in a circumstance is actually a reflection of what's happening inside of us in the sense of there's rooms inside of us that are dark and cold because we haven't let the Holy Spirit shine his truth and his light in the rooms of our heart. And so I felt like God was saying like, there's still, there's still a place inside you, Caitlin, that is dark and cold because you haven't let me heal you in that place. You haven't let me shine my light on that. So I remember taking authority and walking over into that room and started to speak Um, the name of Jesus over that room, the blood of Jesus over that room and started to um, confess that I went under the fear and started to ask for forgiveness for allowing the fear to have dominion over me. Like God, forgive me for letting myself be a victim of that fear. Forgive me. And so um, this lady left a voicemail on my phone. Um, I want to say like around the time when Kinsley was born or maybe when she was born, because she also got hospitalized for a week Um, after about five weeks of life. She got RSV and she was hospitalized. So that was another test. Like, are you going to go back into anxiety? Are you going to go back into fear? I think it might have been actually after she was born, this powerhouse of a woman left this voicemail and she said, um, in the name of Jesus, I just break a f- the familiar spirit of fear off yeah. of you right now. And yeah. I could remember distinctly thinking there is a difference between a spirit of fear yeah. and fear. Right. It's just like what you right. said. And I discerned within myself yeah. that there was a spirit of fear trying to choke me out. Right. And so you're listening today. We just talked about his traumatic experience with the car accident and kind of how he faced that. Um, Dr. Randy Bunch, I'm here to tell you how I faced my experience with having a second child after being a victim of postpartum depression and here to tell you like honestly the spirit that lives in you is greater than the spirit that is in the world and god expects us as his children to activate and to fan into flames the gift that he's given us he's given us a gift of boldness he's given us a gift of faith but we have to activate it and we have to fan it into flames and so maybe you're listening today and you're struggling with ptsd or you're struggling with fear um you don't know even its grip on you. Maybe, maybe you aren't recognizing its grip on you, but if you feel like you're being spoken to today, I pray that right now the Lord would show you how to exercise your faith, to exercise your faith and to, and to allow his spirit to move. Cause it says, you know, the word of God in Isaiah 59, 17 says, when the enemy came in like a flood, God set a standard against him. Yep. Have you heard that verse so far, Dr. Randy? Yes. I I was thinking as you were saying this is I I believe that all fear is rooted in a lie. Um, Just like faith is based upon the word, which is the truth. All fear, fear, fear is a form of faith. It's a conviction of the unseen. We've all experienced how many things we've been afraid of that never came to pass, right? So we're, we're familiar with how fear operates. A spirit of fear is based on a lie of the enemy. One of the things I experienced, Caitlin, talking about like my concern of am I culpable? Am I somehow responsible for what has gone down? I remember I would, you know, be concerned all of a sudden this thought would came, yeah, but what if what if this happened? What if that happened? All of a sudden that fear would leap up in my heart. 
And then I would kind of mollify that fear. I'd talk to myself, kind of work through it, you know. Uh, and, and then another thought would come. And when I was a young kid and I was raised in church, I had doubts of my salvation, you know. And it was all based on that same similar kind of, what about this? What Did you pray the prayer right? You know, all these little, the devil's such a legalist. And, a, and you know, we say the devil's in the details. And he will throw out these little things that you haven't thought of. Yeah, but what about this? Oh, yeah, I haven't thought about that. Maybe it's true. And then all of a sudden, we're going down that path of fear. So what I've learned to do and what I had to do on this situation, too, is just get off his train. Um, if you, one of my spiritual fathers used to say, if you, if you stay in the realm of the mind and the thought life, the devil will whip you every time. But if you get in the realm of faith, you'll whip him every time. So if you, if you try to out reason the devil or out, you know, just try to figure yourself around these lies using your intellect, you're, you're going to just get deeper in. It's like quicksand. It'll just keep pulling you down, pulling you down. So you just got to get off of his train and then just say, Satan, you're a liar. I know this is a lie because I can feel the spirit of fear attached to those lies. And so instead, I'm going to begin to do what Jesus did. It is written. I'm going to come back against that lie with the truth. And as I stand on the platform of truth, my faith will be activated. And all of a sudden, I'll begin to experience freedom. And that's what happened with me. And to be honest with you, the grace of God has been so rich upon me that there are days where I, I mean, not not only days, but months go by and I forget, oh yeah, I was in an accident last March. So it's, it's, I'm living today completely free from it physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, in every way. That is so powerful. You know, you hear it said that cockroaches live in the dark. (laughs) You know what I mean? And when you turn the light on, they scatter. And I think that sometimes the problem with a lot of us humans is that we aren't distinguishing the things inside of us that are allowing the devil to feed. Like we have things inside of us that we believe subconsciously. We have traumas inside of us that we haven't necessarily addressed. You know, um, our last broadcast, well, my last broadcast, I had Dr. Joy Wright on and she's a counselor from kingdom community ministries. And she had talked about the trauma that happens to us when we're children. Like if, for example, if we have a traumatic situation take place when we're like eight years old or something, um, a lot of the time we respond to the situations that connect to that trauma as if we're an eight year old child <laughs> because right. we never allowed the truth of what is we never allowed the truth in because right. we're we don't necessarily even know what lie we're believing in right like exactly. even with with kids who've been sexually abused um you know children that have been sexually abused a lot of the time they are faced with even healthy opportunity with sex. Like maybe they, they get married and they are confronted with the union of sexual connection with their spouse. And then they find themselves uncomfortable with it because they're associating their experience of trauma with an, an actual healthy experience. And so I think that, you know, this conversation is really good because unless we turn the light on and actually have the tools to address what it is that the lie is, we'll remain in that place. And that's why counselors are good and mentors are good. You talk about spiritual father, fathering, you know, if we don't have the people to turn the light on for us and to really say that is not true, we'll just remain in those places, you know, and I think that that just serves as a challenge for us here today, people listening and us who are talking here in the studio, just be aware of the things that 
are causing an internal response of fear or discomfort. Like you said, sometimes we just have these feelings or these sensations that will rise up in us and we don't even know why we feel that way. Exactly. And it takes us praying that the Holy Spirit yeah. would just show us like, yeah. why am I... Yeah. tensing up right now like yeah. you had mentioned you know after you got right. in the car accident that you were on the other side of the lane and then anytime a car would pass you going opposite yeah. direction that you would tense up yeah. how often do we actually respond physically to a right. situation where it's like our body is tensing up exactly um, yeah, we have it, to address the root of that fear what's the lie that i'm believing that's creating that fear and once we know that we can address it with the truth and then we can meditate upon the truth confess the truth and that's effectively resisting the devil and the bible said you know if we submit to god resist the devil he will flee one hundred percent. And something that I've been thinking a lot about lately and sharing in various conversations over the last couple of weeks is that the devil eventually wears out and yeah. people don't always recognize that, especially if you're in the middle of a battle, especially if it's a mental health battle. You just feel like so often, I'm never going to change this. This is just my life now. I can remember being in the thick of postpartum depression and anxiety and having intrusive thoughts that were clearly not originated from right. my own self thoughts that were just so demonic that would just d be deposited into my head out of sure. nowhere like never even seen a movie like that before never even right. heard anything said like that so there was no origination from self it was clearly just the devil's battlefield he was throwing bombs at me and i remember you know being in the thick of that and thinking i'm never going to get through this like this is you know and catching myself trying as hard as i could to catch myself when i would think that but i don't even think that it was a conscientious thought it was right. just this feeling of doom and yes. so many people have these feelings of doom where they don't know how to get out of it and they they just feel like it's always going to be this way and it's not it's no. not in christ we always have hope and you know i wrote this song called if i could run and i did my music video on it and i wrote that song when i was in the thick of depression and i remember i was sitting in my room and everything always felt dark too that's what's interesting about depression is depression is so demonic too it's not just um, psychological although it is it's so demonic because what happens is it's like it's like you see these movies of um, people kidnapping someone and they just put like a like a bag over their head or something like yeah. that it's like the the lights just go out and you feel like there's wool over your eyes like literal yeah. wool like someone yeah. is coming against you to kidnap you and putting a wool bag over your eyes so you can't see and it's dark and i remember it rained a lot and it was always rainy and it just always felt dark my girl was born in september so i went through like the winter months and so mm -hmm. there wasn't as much sunlight and it was just gloomy and i can remember writing that song if i could run and it's on youtube um, my name is caitlin hashem and i am an artist as well a musician and i remember there was light reflecting from outside and my little shutters were just ref they just had like little bit of light shining through and it was a gloomy day but you could still see the light shining through and i and i wrote that line darkness closes in on all of us sometimes but the window of the lord is always shining his light mm. there's always a window and the lord is always shining his light even if we're in prison a lot of the time we feel like we're in prison because we're dealing with bondage the reality is, is that prison gate is opened. That yeah. prison gate is open and we think it's closed. I've prayed for so many people and recognized that they're in a prison of bondage, whether it's sex addiction, whether it's anger, bitterness, whatever you are struggling with where you feel like you're a prisoner today. I promise, I, I plead with you to trust that yeah. Jesus Christ has already unlocked the gates of that prison for you. And you either have your back turned 
and you need to turn around and recognize that that door is already open or you need to stand up and push that door open because I promise that when you do that and when you trust that that Jesus is on the other end, that that gate will swing wide open for you. He opens up the prison gates for us. And so much of the time we are under the illusion that we are truly stuck and we are not stuck. We are not stuck. We might be struggling right now. You might be struggling today, but I promise you that Jesus is standing at that prison gate and he's extending his hand and he's saying, step out, step out of this addiction. I have made a way for you. Mm. He is showing you already what you, what steps you need to take. He's already put it on your heart that you need to maybe call somebody on the phone. He's already put it in in your heart that you need to get a counselor. He's already put in your heart that you need to go to church. You know what that first step is. You have to step out because Jesus is not going to pick you up and throw you out of the prison. He is extending an invitation to you today. So be encouraged by that. If you're debilitated by fear, anxiety in the name of Jesus right now, I pray that hope would radiate through your entire being, that you would have hope to know that God is greater than the spirit that you're dealing with. God is greater than fear. God is greater than anxiety. The name Jesus Christ is higher than any other Mm. name. Speak that over yourself and stop word cursing yourself. I'm so into the recognition of how many times we curse ourselves with our words the things yeah. that we say yeah. yeah as a kid even or sometimes people make jokes even about stuff like they'll make a joke about that they're dumb or something and right. they'll say it in the middle of a conversation yeah. and we what we say we really believe yeah and yeah. so if you're saying something dumb or if you're around someone who's saying something dumb about themselves correct them yeah. and if you're if you're hearing yourself say something dumb over yourself and that's a lie over yourself correct yourself and mm-hmm. make a statement after that says the truth about who you are amen that in Christ you you are your eyes are open that's right in Christ you can see you have ears to hear and eyes to see in Christ yeah. amen so man, I just preached. <laughs> I just like literally preached. I think we have a minute and a half left. I we have another broadcast that we're doing, but Dr. Randy, we have so much more to talk about. Yeah. I actually want to ask you some questions about Summit next broadcast because you're okay. teaching a class yeah. communicating the word of God right now. Yes, and it. by the time this is aired, because I'm like way ahead right now. These are pre recorded. And <laughs> um, this airs your class will be kind of I think maybe on the seventh week. Yeah. But um I want to hear about how you are preparing our students, the the stuff that you feel that has really impacted the students of the college the most in the context of communicating the word of God, sure. which really isn't limited to a class about preaching. I think right. when people think about that class, they right. think, oh, I'm going to take this class because I'm going to preach, right. which is a, it's a great class if you want to learn how to preach. But all of us need to learn how to communicate exactly the word right. of God yep. effectively. I think we have about a minute left. Is there anything that you want to share for one minute? I just want to share, you know, for those people that are struggling on finding their way out of that prison you were talking about, when I was young and struggling with those doubts of my salvation, the key that the Lord shared with me, and I won't go into the details of all the theology behind it, but praise I found was the tool that I could always use to lift me out of the darkest of dungeons. Um, you know, Paul and Silas were in the Philippian jail at midnight in the innermost prison, their feet fastened the stocks. And the Bible said they prayed and sang praises unto God. And it was as they praised that the earthquake came, shook loose the prison doors, and opened them up. And so I just want to encourage you begin to praise God. Praise certainly means to magnify the Lord. So make him bigger in your life by entering into praise. I love that you brought up that scripture because when I was talking about the prison, I was thinking about the book of Acts and thinking about that scripture and you, the Bible memory man, brought it up. (laughs) But literally that is what happened. They praised and it was when they praised that the gates fell open. So I just pray. We had no idea what we were talking about today, I promise. (laughs) 
And it was just such a cool broadcast. So stay tuned for next week. We're going to be on for another 30 minutes. This is the Summit Show. God bless all of you all. This broadcast is sponsored by Summit Bible College.